Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 101 of the Money Love Podcast. I have a fantastic episode planned for you today. When I ended this guest interview, I just sat there and I was like, wow, that was such a great topic, such a great discussion. I feel like I got so much out of it personally, and I know that you guys are going to as well because this week we are talking about habits and discipline. Now, listen, I know it doesn't sound like the most exciting topic, all right? I understand, but I will also say that this is the area that you guys are coming to me in my DMs within overcoming overspending. This is a huge area that you guys are struggling with. It's knowing what you want and knowing the results that you want to create, but you are struggling to get there. You are struggling to create it through the daily habits, but also the commitment to those habits, which let's just call that discipline that it's going to take. I hear from so many of you, and I know that you might be feeling this way as well, where you're like, I know what I want. I know the life that I want to be able to create for myself. It's just in the day-to-day execution of it. It just seems really hard. And it seems very challenging at times when it actually comes to the moment of making the disciplined choice or going with the habit that I said I was going to work on and said I was going to establish, I always seem to just fall short. I always seem to just kind of let myself down and go with the easy choice, the comfortable choice, the instant gratification in the moment versus working on developing my discipline and committing to a habit that I know over time will compound and will give me the results that I want. I hear this from you guys all of the time. So my brain got to thinking and I was like, I feel like I have a lot to say on this topic, but I also feel like there are people out there that know a lot more about this topic and could be much more helpful to y'all than I could be. And so I actually went searching for the perfect person for this conversation. And I really think that I found her. I'm so excited for y'all to hear our conversation today. Her name is Cecilia Mandrick. And Cecilia is a life coach, certified coach, just like me. That's how I found her and became connected to her. And what Cecilia does, her passion is she helps people live better lives through self-discipline and through habits. But she does it in a way, y'all, that I've never really heard anyone talk about it before. I have to say that I've actually read a lot about this particular subject. You know, there's the very popular book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. There's a lot of books on the compound effect, things like that. And they're all written by men. They're all very masculine. And I feel very like hard charging, like they're very focused on, you know, like taking action and doing things when you don't want to be doing them and having to use a lot of focus and willpower. And Cecilia's approach is very different from that. Her approach is a lot more feminine. And you're going to hear us talk about this in the episode, but she really believes that you should work with your brain, with your nervous system 
not against your brain and against your nervous system, which often when we're trying to form a new habit, so many of us will do, we will try to rely on willpower, but we'll also rely on a lot of shame and judgment and self-loathing to get ourselves committed to the habit and committed to the change. And Cecilia just does things differently. She just believes that there's another way and a better way. And truly, I have never heard someone talk about becoming the you that you want to be using habits and using discipline, but in the way that she talks about it. And that is why I am just so thrilled that you guys get to hear this conversation that we had. So before we jump in, I want to tell y'all a little bit more about Cecilia and just know that all of her information, her social handles, her website, a free training that she offers. It's all linked in the show notes. So Cecilia is a certified life coach. She is a yoga therapist as well. And in her practice, she uses cognitive science, yogic wisdom, and self-discipline. She coaches one-on-one and she also has a group coaching program, which she'll talk about at the end of the episode. But she works with you to figure out what your priorities are, what is keeping you stuck, and then how to actually use self-discipline as an act of love and compassion to implement your priorities through forming habits. She teaches you how to tap into your thoughts and how to also work with your nervous system to implement the change that you want to see with ease. In the episode, you're going to hear us talk about habits and discipline and the role that they play, not only in our finances, but also in our life. We're going to talk about how you can approach the habit formation process with love and compassion versus shame and judgment, which again, so many of us are doing. We're going to talk about how to work with your brain and with your nervous system rather than against it while you're forming a new habit. We're also going to talk about just like getting started with a habit and truly why that is the most important part. And Cecilia is going to give us her best tips for getting started with a new habit that you're wanting to form. And we are also going to be talking about old habits that you've had. So maybe a habit that was really established in the past that you actually fell off the bandwagon and you're having a really hard time getting restarted on that habit. Cecilia is also going to give us her thoughts and her tips for that. So this is a very detailed, far-reaching conversation, you guys. I know that you're going to get so much out of it. I certainly did. This conversation was incredibly beneficial to me. And truly, I love these episodes. I love episodes like this because yes, we talk a lot about money in the episode. We're going to take this general topic of habits and self-discipline and kind of narrow it down to a financial and a money scope. But truly, you can apply these principles to any area of your life, you guys, to your finances, relationship, career, health and wellness, spirituality. It does not matter. Any habit or behavior you are looking to implement that then will lead to a result being created for you, you can use the tools and the coaching that we're going to talk about today. So I know you're going to love it. Without further ado, let's jump in to my conversation with Cecilia about how to use habits and discipline to become the best version of you. I love you guys. Enjoy. Cecilia, welcome on the show. I am so excited to have you this week. This is a discussion that I have been wanting to have for a very long time on the podcast because I just think that there's really so much to break down here. But before we do, just give us an introduction. Tell us who you are, how you got into this work, and what you help women with. Of course. I am so excited to be here too because overspending and how we relate to our money is such a habit. And it's something that I tackled in my personal life. Um, It was part of my early coaching kind of ventures was getting a handle on how I related to my money 
it was a big buffer for me was overspending, which mm -hmm. I'm so assuming a lot of your, your listeners can relate to. So how did I get started in coaching? I actually came to coaching through yoga, which is an interesting path. And I think it highlights the fact that so much of coaching is self-awareness and self-inquiry based. I started in this yoga that's a more traditional yoga and silent. And then through that group of people learned about coaching. And so had my own coach went through a lot of changes in my own life at that period, career change, went through my spending, all that kind of thing without going into too many details and really landed on habits as how I coach people and the um, path that I use to help folks change their lives. And I think habits are this really powerful way to vote for who you want to be each day. So helping women awesome. change their lives through habits. Oh, awesome. Okay. So let's just really kind of start at the foundations of habits and discipline. I feel like habits and discipline are really kind of like sister topics of each other. They're like different sides okay. of the coin that relate very closely to one another. So let's just start with talking about what role exactly do habits and a commitment to those habits, which in my mind would be discipline, what role do those two things kind of play in our daily life, but also in creating the results that we want, whether it's money or something else? Hey, I agree with you that discipline and, and habits are kind of like these sisters. And sometimes we think of like a different word can mean something to different people. I use them pretty interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like self-discipline is the muscle that we're using to start or execute a habit. And then the habit's kind of what we're carrying out each day. And I love thinking about wisdom when I think about self-discipline, wisdom and love really, and that using self-discipline is a way to extend this wisdom, this cognitive brain superpower that we have into our daily life. And we use that wisdom and love to create habits. And it's this way of remembering what we want for ourselves, what results we're working towards, uh, so that when we're in the moment, when we're presented with the opportunity to watch TV or exercise or to buy something or not buy something, we can actually execute that. Absolutely. And I liked what you said earlier, one phrase that you used where you said, habits are kind of the way that you vote, I guess, in your daily yeah. life for the person that you're wanting to be. And I really like that. I mean, I think that really helps me think about just breaking it down into daily life. To your point, when you're faced with a decision of, do I want to go with option A or option B? And one of those is going to take you closer to the future you that you have in mind. I talk about you know knowing your future self in a lot of detail. That's one of the tools that I teach my client is like knowing your future self, giving a lot of thought to who she is and knowing a lot of details about her life, because the more that you can know about her, the easier it is to inform those decisions that you're making on a daily basis to say, which path is going to bring me closer to her. To your point is going and exercising right now versus watching you know, another episode of this show that I've already seen five times on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> which option is actually going to take me closer to that future version of myself that I have in my mind. And I almost kind of like, I like what you said. I like that visual of like, you're casting a vote. Totally. Like yeah. Every time you make one of those decisions. Right. And habits are this sort of like making the voting automated. Right. And so because our brain loves to make things easier, right? It wants to conserve energy. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it's one of its jobs. And so when we take that future view of ourself and we get really detailed 
and then we bring it down into the mundane. Okay, I want to be somebody who has a handle on their finances or who has saved this much money, has this kind of net worth. What does that person do? Well, that person maybe looks at their bank account twice a week. Or, you know, if you want to be somebody who takes their health seriously, that person exercises. Okay, how can I take that and then make it into a habit for myself so I know that I'm voting each day or each week for this person, that I'm taking the steps necessary? Because I really think that habits and self-discipline are this, they're more about who you're becoming. They're more about that future self than they are about, I don't know, like the habit list in your planner, right? It's like, it's a bigger thing than just this, like I'm checking a box to check a box, more like who do I actually want to become? Who yeah. do I want to vote for? And how can I make that vote automated? And I think that kind of brings me into the next thing because I want you to touch on, because I think this is really important. I feel like the way that we have all been conditioned to think about habits and discipline, we think about them in a way that's not very beneficial to us. It doesn't serve us very well to think about habits in that way. And I think you just touched on one big one, which is anytime you're starting a new habit, it's less about the actual action of it. And it's more about like who you're becoming in the process. But what are some ways that you see with your clients that we think about habits or discipline in ways that don't really serve us very well? Yeah. I think the number one belief that people come to me with that holds them back is that you're you either are or you are not self-disciplined. Like you're either one or the other, you're in this binary. Mm -hmm. And our brain, again, this goes back to like survival, our brain loves the binary, right? A berry is either like safe or it's not safe. There's no in-between. But when you bring in the cognitive brain, there's all this gray area. And so instead of thinking of something as we either have it or we don't, I either am a runner or I'm not. I'm an overspender or I'm not is thinking about them in that gray space and thinking about the habit as the way to get you there. So for instance, with self-discipline, it's actually really rare that people don't have self-discipline at all. It's just not true. They might have trouble looking at their bank account, like maybe extending self-discipline into that place, but they probably shower every day or they probably like feed their kid, right? Or change their child's diaper or like there's something that they do where they actually are using discipline. So it's recognizing a little bit where you already are and then saying, I'm going to grow this muscle in this new place. I love the physicality of thinking about it as a muscle because if you have not worked out or you haven't worked out in a long time, you go to the gym, you're going to be kind of sore. Or even if you lift all the time or work out all the time and you do a new workout, you're going to be sore, right? Because you haven't used a muscle in that way. I hear that all the time in my community. We project and we take one area of our life that we're not very disciplined in. So let's say money. And we use that to kind of label ourselves as I'm not a disciplined person. Yeah. Really, to your point, there's so many areas of our life that we actually do exhibit and practice a lot of discipline. But I feel like especially with women, this is true. We just kind of play that off as, oh, well, that's just something that... That doesn't count. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. showering every day, taking care of myself, you know, feeding my kids every day, making sure that I make it to work on time. Really, when you think about it, those things actually do require us to be disciplined in many areas of our life with our time, with our energy and our resources. But to your point, we're like, well, that's just what's expected of me. So exactly. that doesn't count. And I love the notion of, okay, there's actually 
actually many areas of your life that you're incredibly disciplined, that you have a lot of evidence that you can use to support the self-concept of, I'm actually someone who's very disciplined, but I feel like we always pick the one area that we're not disciplined, (laughs) whether that's money or with our health or with our relationships. And we really focus in again, this is like our brain. Like I talked about in a couple episodes ago, like our brain, just being a bully, our brain just wants to focus on like, no, this is the one area where there's room for improvement and you're not disciplined. Therefore you're not a failure. Yeah. Yeah, You're a failure. (laughs) You're not a disciplined person. Okay. So that's one is like thinking of thinking of discipline as a trait. I either am disciplined or I'm not disciplined rather than thinking of it as it's a muscle. It's something that I can practice and get better at over time. Yeah. And if you're in that place of using something against yourself, like how I spend money, I mean, a great way to flip it around is to ask yourself those questions. Like if my goal is to be financially solvent, like how am I actually already showing up for that? Like where am I already using self-discipline to to change this habit? And one of it might be I'm listening to Paige's podcast every week, right? Like I'm doing this thing that's like helping me move in this direction just to start to take away that discounting that your brain does with all these things, right? This like, I'm just going to throw them away. They don't count. So that's a big one. That's like a one of the biggest, I think. Yeah. I think the hard part about habits for me is just really the slow pace of the transformation that really makes it hard, especially in the beginning to have a habit stick. And I remember reading this, I want to say it was from the book Atomic Habits, which I know is probably one of the most popular books on habits. But I remember him saying that that's the hardest part for many people is that you know you making the choice in this very moment today to watch netflix instead of going to the gym isn't really going to move the needle just this one time just this one right. choice but when you make that choice day in and day out and those habits kind of compound that's when you really see the huge shift and results and he talks about how time will magnify what you feed it and habits are what you're feeding into time. And so it's kind of like the habits are either going to work for you or they're going to work against you. But I think for me, it's just getting out of that mindset of, okay, this is more than just today, right? It's more than just this one decision right now to make the disciplined choice. Because if I make this choice today, I could make it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And it's not going to matter right in this moment, but it could matter if I'm making this choice day in and day out. When you flash forward a year or five years, your life will look drastically different feeding that habit into time over a period of years. And that's the hardest part for me is just like the slow, slow, totally right of the transformation Um, in, in the moment. There's very rarely an immediate punishment or reward right? With a habit. Like, as you said, if you choose Netflix over the gym, that one day, it's not going to make or break you, which can be like helpful some days, but for the most part, it's not helpful. And it's, I think it's the difference between using your cognitive brain and your primal brain, because your primitive brain is always going to want comfort. It's always going to want to sit on the couch. It's always going to want to stay exactly where you are. But when you talk about using self-discipline as this love and this like voting for your future self, it's reminding like, okay, today's gym like session probably isn't going to make or break me. But if I repeat this five times a week or three times a week over the next two years, I'm going to be somebody who values their health and that's who I'm working to become. 
spending a hundred dollars on a sweater, you know, once a week isn't going to make or break you probably that one time for a lot of people. But if you do it over and over and over again, that's a lot, right? It's $5,200 at the end of the year if you're doing it every week. Yeah. There's this kind of repetitive, but really interesting book called The Slight Edge, which- I love The Slight Edge. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Right. And I think he illustrates it so well in that book about like, if you just read five pages a day, that's a huge, it makes a huge difference. Even if during like in the moment, your brain says five pages, like that doesn't matter, right? Doing five pushups, that doesn't matter today. That's your primitive brain versus the cognitive brain recognizing, actually, this is a trajectory I'm on, a vector for like, if there are any science nerds out there. And it has like this magnitude behind it that actually does matter over time. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the most powerful mindset shifts to make when you're wanting to create any result that you want is getting your brain out of that downstairs part of your brain that is only focused on the instant gratification and is really only concerned with present moment today and really coming back up to 30,000 feet and realizing, no, this is much bigger than just today. And kind of going back to that upstairs part of our brain, the human part of our brain, our prefrontal that does care about what is my life going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, and realizing that that's what we're working towards, not necessarily like what's in this moment. But I know you've said it several times so far about approaching this process with love and self-compassion. And I do want to get into that. But before we get into that, How do you see most people approach? Okay, I want to start this habit. How do most people approach it and how most people do it? Does it really work well? Is it super effective? (laughs) It doesn't work very well usually. (laughs) Usually it doesn't work well, which is why, which is why people struggle with habits and have this like bad view of self-discipline, right? Usually they think of self-discipline and habits as a punishment and like this self-improvement project, which is I'm not good enough or worthy enough now. But when I can do three pull-ups, I'll suddenly be a good person. When I'm not in debt or I'm not spending money on lattes every day, I'll be a good person. I'm going to shame myself into this behavior or punish myself into this behavior so I can become better. And then once I'm there, I'll be good, which just never really works, right? If you think about the feeling of shame in your body and knowing that our actions come from how we feel and what we think, we're never going to really do what we want to do or what's in our higher interest when we're in a place of shame. And I know you talk to a lot about our nervous system yeah. and getting that to a calm place. I, that's an area I feel like I don't know a lot about. Do you mind speaking to that for a second? Because I think that that's really huge of just getting calming your nervous system just to a place of calmness and kind of peace and then going from there. Yeah, definitely. And this is maybe I think where my yoga background has come into play a lot and how I use that in combination with mindset and the coaching I do. So our your nervous system, just as a quick primer for people who might not remember it, there are two main parts of it. There's the sympathetic nervous system and response and then the parasympathetic. And the sympathetic response is the fight or flight and freeze or fawn, you know, the four F's. And the parasympathetic nervous system is this rest, digest, and then there's also this create and connect component. So this kind of love component of it. And when you're in an activated nervous system state, you're more likely to be in that downstairs brain response. You're more likely to do something to keep you safe 
in the moment. And I'm going to use like quotation marks around safe because safe for us in 2023 is buying something. It's sitting on the couch watching Netflix, right? It's not actually saving you from the tiger that's outside. And when you're shaming yourself and judging yourself, you're activating that sympathetic part, which again is activating the downstairs brain. It's getting in this place of not growth and change and love, but this like resistance component. And if you can take a few slow breaths, so focusing on the exhale in that moment, you can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which then will allow you to make decisions more from your cognitive brain, right? It allows you to think more clearly to kind of check in with that wisdom of what do I actually want to do in this moment? If I were totally safe and worthy, what decision is the one that's voting for the me I'm becoming? And I love those kinds of questions to say like, okay, if I'm worthy, if I'm safe, like, what do I want to do? If I'm not rushing around to feel secure, to buy something so I can get the dopamine hit so I can feel like I'm okay as a human, what would I do? Where would I be? And working with your nervous system or at least being aware of how it plays into it, I think is a, is really empowering to just know like, oh, I feel the tightness in my chest. I feel that thing in my stomach. I'm probably in the space of not thinking really clearly. Can I do something? Can I help myself get to a different space before I make a decision? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that question. That's such a powerful question. And I feel like with money, especially this is something, it's just how we've been like programmed to think about money, that money has to be hard. It has to be tedious. It can't be easy. It has to feel really heavy. And it's just this very masculine resource in our life. And I feel, I see this all the time with, I would say probably two main areas of money. One is, is spending. If we've ever kind of gotten into a habit that we're not super fond of with our spending and wanting to change that habit, to your point, we feel like we have to rely on all of the past evidence and all the past results that we've created that we're not very proud of and constantly have those at the forefront and always reminding ourselves of this is how you've screwed up. This is how you've done bad in the past. Look at all this debt that you've created. Look at these terrible results that you've created. And we think if I keep that at the forefront, that will in a sense motivate me to totally. create yeah. a different result, which I I know that logically when we when we're thinking about it, I know that for a lot of us, intellectually, it makes a lot of sense. But to your point, living it out in the way that that feels inside of us when we're actually going through, it's two very different things. And I talk a lot about too, about paying off debt and how it very much is possible to pay off debt and get out of debt to your point from a place of self-love and self-compassion and being in that emotional state that feels very calm and grounded. And a lot of people really struggle with that because there's, because they're like, there's just no way <laughs> there's right. no way that I would possibly be able to get myself out of debt. If I'm not shaming myself and judging myself and constantly reminding myself what a screw up I am. And that's how I paid off my debt. My husband and I had six figures worth of student loan and credit card debt. And this was well before I knew any of this stuff. And that was my debt payoff experience. And it felt terrible and it felt awful. And even after I got it paid off to your point, the entire time I was like, as soon as I get rid of this debt, then I will feel worthy. Well then shocker, we paid it off yeah. and I didn't, I still yeah. felt terrible. And I was just, I, I was so confused. I was like, what's, 
what's happening? Like the past five years, this is what I've been working towards thinking this was the end all being all of creating this result. And then I got to that point and I accomplished the goal and I still felt terrible. And I just so wish that I had known that going through. And I'm like, well, if I couldn't do it, I at least want you guys to be able to at least know that it's an option available to you. So I just think that that whole concept is just, it's mind blowing to me, truly. Yeah. I mean, if you're telling yourself that you're a terrible person, like through the years of paying off debt, then you're going to feel like a terrible person once you've paid off the debt. Because what you've done is you've practiced telling yourself you're a terrible person. I mean, that's the journey and the destination are going to feel exactly the same. If you're trying to accomplish a habit through shame and willpower, once you kind of get to the end, which there really is never an end, right? But once you get to kind of you've written the book, you're not going to feel like a writer unless you've been telling yourself you're a writer all along. You're not going to feel competent with money once you've paid off your debt, unless you've been practicing telling yourself that the entire time, which again is coming from that love and self-respect place rather than this shame, this like, I'm going to hold every bad decision I've ever made with money over myself so I don't make another bad decision. And I think a lot of us forget that the way that we think about ourselves and talk to ourselves is also a habit. Yes. Yeah. That's what came up when you were talking about that too, right? It is everything we say to ourselves is a habit. Like, body image stuff is so habitual, right? If you stand in the mirror every single time and you say, I'm fat and ugly, like, of course you feel fat and ugly every day, right? That's what you're practicing telling yourself. And I think that we so often associate the thoughts that we think we closely connect the two. I talked about this a couple episodes ago about how I read a book, The Untethered Soul, that showed me that you're not your thoughts. You're just, you're the listener of them. You're the thinker of them. So you're, you don't have to identify with your thoughts and think I am them. But to your point, it's like the way that you think about yourself and how you talk to yourself, your inner dialogue, that's also a habit, which yep. we don't think about it that way. We don't think about, oh, this no. is just a habit that I can change. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where the conditioning and the socialization also play in. We just think it's a truth, right? So somebody for instance, like you said, money is very masculine. And often women have this belief, I'm bad at money for no real reason. It's just something we've absorbed from living in the world we live in. And we repeat that to ourselves over and over again, and it becomes our self-concept. And then we live out that result, right? So like how you talk to yourself, how you interact with that habitual part of you becomes the future you live into. Yes. I talk about your spending self-concept a lot, which is how do you think about yourself? How do you view yourself when it comes to a spender? And I think for women, especially we get into this, oh, I'm just a shopper. Oh, I'm just a spender. You know, I'm the spender. My husband's the saver. And I know we say it very innocently, but I also am always wanting to point out to people, that's not an identity that you have to have if you don't feel like it's serving you. Because to reiterate what you said, whatever your self-concept is, is what you will live into. Your brain, to your point, wants certainty. It wants to be right about things. And so whatever you believe, your brain is constantly going to be searching for evidence to support that belief, which means that's what you will end up going out and creating and living into, which then it's a vicious cycle because then you just get more evidence to support the self-concept, which then it strengthens. And it's just this loop that becomes very strong and very practiced which I think kind of leads us into the next thing of, okay, so I want to start a new habit. There's a result that I want to create. I know what that is. 
I've determined these are the habits that are going to get me there. But what is your process that you use to kind of start a new habit? Because I know for me, like I said earlier, it seems very daunting. Yeah, it seems overwhelming, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To tie it back into that first that kind of like fatal thought, I guess, that a lot of people have is like, I either am self-disciplined or I am not, is taking away the identity, right? You just said like, I am a shopper, or I am not a shopper, right? So removing yourself from whatever identity you have can be like a really powerful brain shift. So instead of saying, I'm a shopper, you can say something like, I'm somebody who has been shopping, right? Or shops, like shopping has been a hobby that I've had or a habit that I've had. It's not part of your intrinsic self. That kind of plays into it. But to talk more specifically about the process, I like to start actually at the habit deciding point. And I think the most, one of the most important things is picking a habit that identifies with your priority about like who you're becoming, right? So for instance, if you're you're a new mom, I'm a new mom, your priorities in life are different now than they probably were when you were 18. And they're probably different right now than they will be in 10 years from now. And so knowing what your priorities are in life. So for instance, I'm going to use exercise as something that always comes up for me. So I'm going to use that. It might not actually be your priority to be training for a marathon right now. And that's really important to know when you're forming your habit. Because if you pick a habit that doesn't align with your actual priorities or who you want to become, you're going to fail at it, right? It's just not going to become something that is in your self-concept that you're aligned with, right? So that's the first maybe step. The second one, which gets into more practicality, is deciding really concretely ahead of time what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And with the what, making it a lot smaller than what you what your brain wants you to put down. Yes. So you're not, this. Yeah. I go from zero like, to 60. I'm like, okay, I haven't been working out at all. And now I'm going to go work out seven days a week for an hour. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm so guilty of that. <laughs> and it looks so good on your schedule, right? You like write in the hour and you're like, today I'm going to lift for an hour. And then tomorrow I'm going to like do an hour of cardio. And then I'm going to go to this class. And you feel so like proud of yourself on Sunday. You've written it all down and it looks amazing. And then like, you either make it through the first day and like you can't move the second day or you don't even make it to the first day because it feels too overwhelming to start. Or you're a person who has a lot of willpower and you make it through the first week, but then you end up feeling really rotten and you never go to the second week of working out. Versus saying, okay, physical health is a priority for me or exercise is a priority for me in my life right now. What's the minimum I can commit to this week? And maybe it's five minutes of walking three days a week. And your brain will say, that's not enough. That's not going to matter. But the first part of the habit is just showing up for yourself. It's you're working on showing up, not actually the result of running the marathon of like hiking, you know, some long hiking trail. Nothing came to mind there, right? (laughs) Like there's some like some arbitrary goal that you have is like dialing it way back and knowing that at first the habit really is about showing up for yourself. So maybe if it's around money, it's I'm going to show up to check my bank balance or like what's happening with my financial institutions twice a week. And I'm going to like actually go in, I'm going to log in, I'm going to feel the feelings. But deciding that in advance, what you're going to do, not saying, and this is where a lot of people get tripped up. They say, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to, maybe I'm I'm going to be financially responsible, right? That might be the one that 
somebody might say, but it's not a real thing, right? It's not tangible. And so it's very easy to either skip it, to forget about it, to sit on the couch watching Netflix instead. Yeah, because you don't specifically know what that means. What does being financially responsible look like to you? How does that actually break down on a tangible level of what does that mean to you? Does that mean you're going to log into your bank account? Does that mean you're going to track your spending? Does that mean you're going to, you know, put an extra hundred dollars a month towards your credit cards? Right. What does that mean? I'm only going to pay in cash this week, like whatever Mm -hmm. it means. Right. But so asking your brain, once you have the priorities and once you say, okay, this is my, my, maybe my goal is to be financially responsible, whatever that means, what's one concrete step I can take and making sure that step is much smaller than you think it is. So for instance, for the financially responsible, it wouldn't be this week, I'm going to invest and shake my bank account and like, you know, like six other things. It's not the hour workout. It's like the five minutes of walking and I'm going to do it every day and I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to show up when it, when my phone dings or when, you know, I look at it, when I have that cue, I'm going to actually follow through with it. See, that's really helpful for me, especially because I loved the part that you said about how in the beginning, I think this is going back to what we were talking about of how we think about habits and discipline in a way that doesn't serve us. But I think we're so focused on the result, right? If you want to lose 40 pounds, it's just that number is always top of mind. 40 pounds, 40 pounds, got to lose the 40 pounds or got to pay off the $10,000 of credit card debt. And so that's the sole focus the whole time. But I think it's realizing that eventually in the process, you will get to the point where it's you're seeing concrete progress towards that. The pounds start coming off, the debt starts going down. But I think the hardest part is just getting started. And I hear women in my community say this all the time. They're like, I just can't seem to get myself started. And what you said I love is that, okay, in the beginning, don't necessarily focus on the end result that you're trying to create. Just start focusing on showing up for yourself. Make it something that is beyond easy to do. So maybe it's just you you literally just pull up your bank account for 60 seconds. You don't even have to exactly. do anything. You don't have to you transfer just anything. You don't have to track or log anything. It's just log into your bank account for 60 seconds, be in the presence of your money, show up for yourself, start giving your brain evidence that I said I was going to do this thing and I did it. Right. It's it's just a tiny drop in the bucket that just starts to compound. Exactly. And making sure then like the final step of that is celebrating what you actually did. Right. So like making sure saying like I logged, I said I was going to log into my bank account. I logged into my bank account. I'm somebody who's working towards becoming financially responsible, right? Like create the feeling of pride or accomplishment or satisfaction for yourself with your thinking. I mean, to break it down for people who are listening, if you're kind of struggling to like, well, what would it be? What would a a concrete goal be? If you want to be the kind of person who pays off $10,000 worth of debt, you could ask, what does that person do, right? When I am that person, what is something that I would do? And it might be, I log into my bank account every day, right? I check my, I'm in the presence of my money. If you want to be somebody who has lost 40 pounds, what would you do? Well, I might exercise three times a week. Okay. So then how can I start that right now? And how, like, how can I dial it back to be the, the getting started goal, right? The getting started first step and know that like, once I've mastered showing up for myself, then I can start to grow that right? Then it will, it will look different in 
a month than it does on day one. And I think that's so key because I think the way that our brains naturally work is very linear in nature, meaning that we have to accomplish something or make progress towards a goal at the same rate over a period of time instead of it compounding. And that's another thing that James Clear says in the book is he says habits are kind of like the compound interest of life, like how money compounds and grows, but it's very slow in the beginning. And then it starts compounding habits are the compound interest of our life. And I think with a lot of people, we struggle because we think I have to be doing the same thing over the period of time. So it's like what I'm going to be doing six months from now is what I need to be doing today instead of realizing, no, what I need to be doing today is the minimum baseline, as we kind of call it in the coaching world, right? Yeah, minimum baseline. Think of it as just bare minimum, right? right? Like 60 seconds in my bank account. But six months from now, starting with 60 seconds of being with my money a day, will turn into doing that every day and maybe tracking my spending and maybe searching for ways that I can bring in extra income and putting, you know, 500 extra dollars a month towards my debt. That could be what I'm doing in six months. That doesn't mean that's what I have to do right out of the gate today. It's like minimum baseline. And I always tell my clients, think about it like a hockey stick. Instead of thinking about it like a linear 45 degree angle, think of it like a hockey stick kind of compounding. And just know when you're first starting in that beginning, you're kind of in that flat part of the curve where if you were to like zoom in, it would be increasing, right? You are making progress and you, it, it is increasing, but it's very minimal and it doesn't seem like much, but that's the hardest part that you kind of have to just start yeah. with. And the interesting thing is like starting, even if starting is just logging into your bank account, the difference between not being in the presence of your money at all and totally ignoring it and just logging in is huge. Like that part of the curve is actually an exponential, like you're up to now you've started. And then once you start, it's going to grow in this other path, right? But it, once you like that, that jump from zero to one is so huge and it's so easy to discount it as like, it doesn't count or it's not worth it. Or like, it's only 60 seconds. We're just saying, this is one of the most powerful steps I'm taking. Getting out the door for a minute of exercise, a minute walk is the most powerful thing I do because I've moved from the couch outside. I sat down and logged into my bank account. I did this thing I was said I was going to do. I felt the feelings. I mean, it's really the most monumental step to starting any habit. And it means so much and our brains discount it all the time. Honestly, you're so right. And the image that just popped into my head is a huge locomotive that's just at a complete standstill. Yes. It's totally stopped. It's not moving at all. And the amount of steam energy that it just needs to just even start barely creeping is huge, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. massive. And to your point, it's, it's like, that's kind of the hardest part is just getting that train moving. And then once it starts moving, it gains a lot of momentum. And a lot of that just kind of starts to happen from inertia and just naturally, right? It just kind of starts to push itself once it gets going. But the amount of energy that it takes to simply just get going is like off the charts crazy. But I love that you say that because it's thinking about, okay, even just doing that one small thing, when you go from zero to one, zero to one is massive. So, so massive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where like, okay, this is like, this is the day I'm going to like 
I'm voting for my future self. And like knowing that like this part of the habit formation is tougher, right? And not making it mean that you're bad at it or there's something wrong with you or like you're flawed in some way. Just knowing that anytime you start something, anytime you're starting to push the locomotive, it's challenging. That doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And that doesn't mean that it won't become easier for you either. And it's a lot easier if you're not shaming yourself, just as like, you know, a side note. <laughs> I think right. I feel like shaming yourself is like putting a giant like log in front of the train. So now you're having to like move that and the train. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's like sticking with that analogy, that's exactly what it is, right? You know, I just feel like with habits, it's just that one decision that we start with, right? It's kind of like, okay, if we're if we're planting a tree, even a huge a huge oak tree that's huge and very established started as just like one tiny little seed and it's like when you're when you're in the process of wanting to get started it's just the start of every habit is really just that one tiny decision of like planting that seed and and getting started and going from there yeah yeah i mean it's you know the saying about like what's the best time to plant a tree and it's like 20 years ago or today right and habits are the same way for many things like yeah, it would have been great if I was financially responsible 20 years ago, but I can also start today. And in 20 years, I will have like thanked myself or in like a year, I can thank myself for starting that one day. Um, Okay. So I want to ask you one more question. This is a little similar to what we were just talking about. I feel like with a different spin, because I feel like there's one kind of scenario where I want to start a habit that I've never necessarily done before. It's not something that I've ever done before or tried. I don't have a lot of past evidence to support that this is even something that I can pull off, which I think we have spent some time talking about. But what about a habit that you used to have that was really established and you've kind of fallen off the wagon, so to speak, and you're wanting to get back on the wagon, whether it's something with your health or something with your finances. And I was even talking about this recently within my coaching program, Overcoming Overspending, is one of my students came to me and she kind of felt like she had regressed a bit. Like she had gone through a regression, so to speak with her finances. And she was really beating herself up about that. And she was asking me, have you ever done that? And I was like, yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, for me, even I've gone through a phase where for years, years, so good about checking in with my money. I was in my bank accounts. I was in YNAB, which is the budgeting software that I use every single day. And then I felt like at the beginning of this year, I really kind of fell off of that, which was had been something that was a very well-established habit with me. And it felt very odd and strange to kind of fall off that wagon. But do you have any advice for just kind of like getting yourself back on the wagon? Maybe there's an established habit that you've once done. You're like, I know I can do this. I know I can. Yeah. I've done it before. Okay. (laughs) I know I can do it, but I just can't seem to like... To get going, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) I'll use a personal example right now to talk about it. And then I can talk about it a little bit bigger. So I have a six month old right now and I've had a yoga practice for a decade. And this is like a six day a week, every morning by myself, yoga practice. But then you have a baby and like you take time off from those things because your body needs to heal and that kind of stuff. Right. And so starting again, like you have to pick a day you're going to start. And I noticed myself had this story. It's going to be hard. This is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Like I was making it mean something bad about myself that I hadn't been doing it, even though like I had a baby, right? I had a really great reason for not checking in with my yoga practice, but the story that there was something wrong with me was keeping me from starting again, or this like perceived it's going to be painful. 
So what I asked myself was what two things, like what thoughts could help me get back on the mat tomorrow? And what is the minimum baseline I can start with? Because sometimes when we fall off, we expect that we need to go right back to where we were. So if you're a runner, maybe you were running five miles a day and then you stop running and you think I have to go run five miles or it's not going to count if I only go for the five minute walk, but really returning to that minimum baseline of what will get me started tomorrow. Like what will get me started right now versus like, I have to do this thing for it to count. It only counts if I'm at like where I was. It only counts if I'm checking in with my bank account and my investment accounts and like this money app. So for my yoga practice, it was, I can get on the mat for five minutes. Like I know that I can do a couple sun salutations, right? And if I don't feel well enough to do sun salutations, then I can just sit there. And it's important for me to show up for that time for the five minutes, even if I'm not doing what my practice looked like pre-pregnancy, right? Which of course it's not going to. And I know that cognitively, but again, the, the downstairs brain uses it against yourself that you stopped. Maybe to tie it back into the self-love and respect piece is like out of love, how could I start this again? If I wasn't shaming myself, what would starting look like? I love that. And I think that's just our brains, again, wanting to default to what you were saying earlier, the binary, the black and white of if I've fallen off and I get back on, I need to get back on and be exactly where I was when I fell off instead of building ourselves back up to that. That's just your brain. Like I said, like I always say, being a bully, being the mean girl. Yeah, your brain's totally being a bully, right? Your brain is just using it against you that for some reason you had to stop. You can also like, and you've talked about this, the awareness is the first step. Mm -hmm. So like what's happening is the first step. And then a non-judgmental acceptance, I feel like is the second step. Like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm not showing up on my yoga mat. All right. Now let's get curious first. Like, why am I not showing up or what would help me show up again? What could starting look like? What, like, what does my practice look like at this point in my life? Like knowing that I have a toddler and an infant running around the house, right? So that you can work with yourself. And the habit is again, supporting who you want to become, not this tool of punishment or self-improvement or like way to magically be a perfect person. Yeah. Curiosity is probably out of all the emotions. It's probably one of my top five favorite. I think it's such a powerful emotion. Our brains so quickly default to criticism and judgment and shame. And I think shifting it out of criticism and into curiosity, it just opens you up to so much more, like so much more becomes available to you when you're just curious about why am I not doing this versus criticizing yourself that you're not doing it? It's it's a completely, completely different experience. Yeah. And often when we've had, had a habit, like checking our finances and we fall off the wagon, then we say, we have like this judgment of like, I should be able to do this. And I love turning the judgment, like noticing that you're judging yourself, feeling whatever comes up and then saying, all right, how can I get curious? All right. What's challenging about this right now for me? Like, why am I avoiding this, right? Not from a judgmental, you should be doing it, but from a really open, curious, what would it look like to do it? Yes, I love that. I think that honestly is where we should end because I think it's just, it's the perfect, perfect place to kind of wrap us up. So tell us before we sign off, just tell us about how you can help people, where they can find you, what offers you have available so that if they want to work with you, they can find you. 
I'm probably the easiest place to find me is either on TikTok or Instagram and it's the same username. It's, and I'm sure this will be in show notes somewhere, but it's Cecilia B. Mandrick and I can spell that, but it's C-E-C-E-L-I-A-B-M-A-N-D-R-Y-K. So Cecilia B. Mandrick, that's where you can find me. And then the different ways that I work with people. So I have one-on-one clients. I don't have any openings right now. So I have a wait list for that. And I have a group program where 10 women get together we work on creating a habit. It's called No Willpower Required. And it's three months or 90 days to get you started on your habit. So we work through your priorities. We set that minimum baseline. We work through your thoughts. We have weekly coaching. So whatever's coming up and you have the communities to support you. And I love it because we all go through the same things. We're, we all think we're unique. We're like shaming ourselves in these special ways, but we're all doing it. We've all been taught. We all were raised in the same society. So I love the group coaching. I love the kind of like small format of it. There's one starting at the end of March and I'm starting one again at the end of April. So no matter when you okay. hear this, there'll be one starting in a few weeks. Awesome. Yeah, guys, all of her information, her social um, website and all that is going to be in the show notes. So if you are interested in working with Cecilia, you want to check any of that out, just go to the show notes and you'll be able to find all of that information. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was, I could have talked to you for five hours about this. Yeah, but, it was so you know, fun. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> There's really, so really much good. overlapping. Yeah, no, I love it so much. It's like, there's so much overlapping between what you do and what I do and like how to actually work with your brain and like use habits to just become who you're, who you want to become. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, Cecilia. I appreciate it. Thanks Paige. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.